That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV or film, but we love watching shows and then talking about shows while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen before. And I haven't. And this week, we watched episode five, The Naked Time. What a provocative title. (laughs) And I do want to note, just because I found this quite amusing, but this may not amuse anyone else. Um, So we're watching this on Netflix, and it seems like it's a bit of like like a rainbow sighting almost when you catch the rating of the show. So uh, this one was rated, this episode was rated TV 14. And the, the reasons it was rated as such were sex and fear. So this sets, like, this sets some expectations for me, I think, going into this episode. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting some sex and some fear. And, you know, we can comment on whether these expectations are met or not. <laughs> but yeah, I did not realize that I guess I expected sex to get a stricter rating and maybe <laughs> fear and sex not to fall into a similar or comparable category in any way. I don't know how TV ratings work, but I may just sound extremely uninformed right now, but <laughs> it was very interesting to see the two sort of like sex comma fear rated right. TV 14. <laughs> but yeah, all that to say, um, some expectations were set going into yeah. the episode. And you <laughs> know, like the title, the title itself is far, not far more, but relatively provocative compared to like you know charlie x or yeah where no man has gone maybe not quite um less provocative than the man trap or man whatever it was i can't remember <laughs> what the actual name was i think it was man trap but we strongly man endorsed eater. man eater as an there alternative title <laughs> okay, which i think worked better but, yes <laughs> you know, the creature actually ate them or yep. their salt but anyway mm-hmm. so yeah you know like snazzy title hooks you right away mm-hmm. um miss you know blink and you'll miss it tv rating which intrigued me as yep. a viewer who is new to this franchise mm-hmm. um because i have no context for how sexual or fearful <laughs> this series gets <laughs> right <but laughs> my perception and like again this would be sort of this falls into the category of what did i know before watching the show and like i didn't know much but I yeah. will admit that I have heard of sort of a reputation that Kirk holds as being a little bit of a, a ladies man and or interested in the ladies kind of yes. man. <laughs> and so um, when uh, I read yes. the sex rating, I was like, is this a Kirk thing? And <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we've done, so, you know, the entire Star Trek community has done a really good job, obviously, of hiding the fact that um, Star Trek is really just soft porn after the fifth episode. <laughs> Surprise! You did well. You did really well. Good job. Because I expected, you know, space wars and fighting and uh, maybe Kirk being attractive to everybody and sleeping right. his way 
you know, to the top, basically. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm psyched. It's just I'm, porn. <laughs> my seatbelt's on. I'm ready for this. Bring it <laughs> um, I imagine there actually is a subgenre of legitimate porn that is Star Trek themed. Oh, 100%. Um, Without right. a question. Without a question. Uh, we I would actually like... one day, I would actually one day be even, you know, maybe we don't have to delve into the actual visual media sort of like the the porn videos necessarily but i would love to read fic and like yeah fic or not slash fic but regular fic that gets sexual because i would love to know where the brains of people who are like intensely attached to the show how far can you go how right? far do like, you go yeah like i'd love to know the extent i may i may end up regretting these words intensely if we ever do this but <laughs> As things stand from my current, you know, position five episodes into a beloved franchise, I would love to read some fic. Totally. This could be a bonus episode. I don't know, but I'm in. I'm very down for this. I'm totally in. Yeah. I fully foresee some, um, you know, Spock Kirk fic. Uh, 100%. Uh, like, Spock Kirk and Bones, man. <laughs> it writes itself. It totally writes itself. It totally itself. does. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I mentioned while watching the episode that I thought. I was surprised there wasn't already more of a romantic tension between Uhura and Kirk. So I could easily see that being fake mm-hmm. if it doesn't actually, you know, materialize over the course of the show. I want to see a Sulu and um, Sulu and Janice. Is that her name? Yeah, Janice. That could work. Totally. Yeah, so many possibilities. It's just yeah. it's just endless. Um, but yeah, so all that to basically say that. I think it kind of also is beginning to hint at how underwhelming the episode itself may have been when it's so yes. easy to sort of already veer off the plot, which oh, is such a basic, you know, premise for this ep- podcast is just to get into the plot and yeah. talk about the plot as it goes. But <laughs> I kind of maybe have now acknowledged with previously subconscious hesitance to talk about this because it was just such a blah episode. It, it, like, it started off with a lot of potential and then it just derailed um very rapidly and left me feeling um very like what just happened especially with that tv 14 rating you know like yeah like like and and so this is like um if you haven't picked up already i have seen this series already but it was quite a while ago and so there's a certain amount of naivety on my part watching individual episodes but this one i distinctly remembered as being like what it was mm-hmm. except for the ending um <laughs> the ending was like obviously my mind was just like that was not a good ending so we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen yeah. um because it was a curveball and not a good one by the time we got to it yeah it took some it made some choices and like you know easy for me easy for us to critique sitting on our couches watching the show but like as consumers of a story it was it was unsatisfying yeah so yeah. I will caveat this by saying that I wonder, I think I've told you before that um, from what I recall, Star Trek episodes are pretty Mm -hmm. self-contained, but I'm kind of wondering if this is maybe set us up for the next episode and it's a two-parter or something. Like I'm hoping, you know, like this is the, I'm hoping because then maybe it'll redeem itself, right? Yeah. So anyway, all that being said, let's get into it. So Mm -hmm. we have our captain's log that begins your episode as usual. And their mission is to pick up a scientific party 
that's on a planet this disintegrating and it seems like they are there for the express purpose of observing this disintegration which seems risky and pretty bold as a choice (laughs) bold move (laughs) yeah yeah so you have the landing party beam down and they're wearing the most gorgeous hazmat suits like this Mm. is attire i actively want to wear unironically either as halloween costumes or just as like a tie like day wear this Um, is like covid appropriate fashion oh my gosh um it kind of reminded me of i'm not sure if you saw it uh but at one point during uh the pandemic chick-fil-a employees were going out to cars to take people's orders instead of operating the drive-thru and they had like little tents kind of perched on their bodies and like they would walk up to the car and take the order and like it was this it honestly was like a little tent a little square tent and so that's kind of what this hazmat reminded me of of like I mean it's not the safest hazmat as we also immediately know there's you know some very questionable from a safety perspective airflow under their hood there's some holes yeah headpiece I guess but I will like I will 100% give it up give it up to the costume person for excellent color choice it's this vibrant tangerine orange color yeah to my eyes at least and it's got this like beautiful it looks like essentially if you were to take a slinky apart and then arrange those rings in a in a lovely sort of repetitive pattern across the I don't know I was very taken by this outfit I thought it was pretty pretty appealing to look at and you know (laughs) it doesn't necessarily convey Ooh, this is danger right But they're covered up, which they normally aren't. So I guess you can infer from that, like, oh, this is dangerous. This is different. Um, yeah, something, something's a little different. Right. So it's Spock and another um, crew member whose name I have forgotten. Um, Joe. Joe. <laughs> what's it? Joe what's his last name? <laughs> okay. Joe something. <laughs> Joe something. Officer something. And Spock beam down um, to, you know, rendezvous with the scientific team that's living in this little outpost and to, you know, beam everybody back up and stage the evacuation. Termolin? Germolin? Termolin? 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 Oh, that sounds right. Yes. Okay. So okay. last name that I've never heard of in real life. And so we're just going to continue to call him Officer something. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, they beam down and immediately discovered that things are not okay um, because there's snow drifted in the inside of the control room that they've beamed inside. And there's one of the scientists prone, dead, draped over, mm-hmm. you know, a, a control panel. Um, things don't look good. No. basically <laughs> lots of very bizarre deaths and the one that they seem to can't like the one that seems to throw them aback the most or it comes up a lot is this guy who's standing upright and dead in the shower fully clothed and yeah. this this gets brought up a few times and it is it is quite bizarre but <laughs> no payoff there's no follow-through we don't we know don't why this is the case yeah and I think this ties into sort of a general dissatisfaction with the episode for me because in in the four, you know, this huge pool of four episodes that we've seen so far, um, the tension at the beginning of the episode that sets up whatever danger they're walking into usually does get sort of wrapped up in that you go back and sort of realize why the opening scene looks the way it does, I guess. Yeah. And here you can get a hint of wh- why people may have you know, died in the conditions they died in, but like, why would a man be in the shower fully clothed and dead? 
Mm-hmm. And like, there's never really sort of a resolution that I at least picked up on there. Yeah. Which, not a big deal because it is sort of mentioned a couple of times, but mostly in passing, but still sort of a unsatisfied request, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, maybe we can come back to it once we've talked a bit more about what happens on mm-hmm. the Enterprise to tie it in. But it all, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, like, we're set up in a certain way and then we don't really seem to come quite full circle to explaining why we were set up quite this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, the real disappointment here is we don't actually see the man in, in the shower. his yeah. clothes in the shower. Like, um, it's either Spock or, or the officer, you know, goes off screen and comes back and is like, well, this is what I found. Yeah. Um, and, and then right weird. after that, yeah, <laughs> people get really hung up on it, but we're not going to see it. Um, yeah. And then they find a woman yes. who has been strangled. And like, what's so incongruent like I don't even I can't even it's obviously a mannequin like yeah and and I don't why would you choose to have a mannequin is it because she's supposed to have her body is supposed to have frozen like she's been strangled apparently that's the cause of death and then it's cold a frozen body doesn't look like plastic (laughs) I, I didn't you know what having never seen a frozen body I will admit that I don't really know what a frozen body is supposed to look like but that's not what I expected. <laughs> I, think, I think we wouldn't be too far off base to make an educated guess that if a body were to freeze, whether dead or alive, you know, rigor mortis, everything considered, it would still not suddenly become plastic. Yes. <laughs> I <You know? laughs> agree. I, I think we are bold in claim, I know. I, yes. You know, it's pretty bold, but I think that there's I'm putting sufficient... Um, anecdotal and circumstantial um, evidence and whatever it is inference or the opposite one um, to suggest that this is in fact the case so but you know you have you have a I in my notes I've referred to her as a Barbie looking lady yeah she's very Barbie vibes going on yeah who's got like some nice hair and everything but she's very dead pretty dead very mannequin-y and yeah that's that's just how they find her and like that sort of like ties into several of the odd deaths that they've observed although the oddity in this situation does not seem to be that she doesn't look human anymore like that does not seem to be something they comment on or they (laughs) get thrown (laughs) off by at all so maybe we're just supposed to pretend that she's like maybe the whole being a mannequin thing is is not actually i have a brand new theory that i just thought of maybe maybe that was a day when they had difficulties recruiting extras yes <laughs> this is why you don't see the shower dead body right this is why you have a dead mannequin lady and this yeah. is why the body that's like that dead on the console you never see yeah. the face it could just be like a pile of clothes yeah that's a really good point i will run with it i yeah. think this is a totally plausible explanation for mannequin dead lady yeah they made, they um, made do with what they had yeah, which we applaud. We applaud this. Very enterprising, um, yes. Carry on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so lots of odd deaths. Dead man in the shower comes up again. And Spock and Joey, who at this point in my notes, I did not know was called Joey something or other. So he was referred to as second guy. Mm-hmm. And so second guy is not the brightest, so, you know, you're on this planet that you've come onto with these possibly ineffective 
but you know in theory worn for a reason hazmat suits yeah and for reasons i maybe missed or don't understand he chooses to take off his glove yep like start like touching things to take meetings and everything that they're seeing is covered in i assume snow i guess or something that's frozen in place yeah and so he like touches it and then there's like this oozy blood type liquid which for a second i have to ask you is it the dead guy bleeding or is it just a random liquid and i think it's just a random liquid yeah it's not clear um maybe it is supposed to be his blood but then why is it like creeping towards joey's hand and um, there's not a stream, right? It seems to sort right. of erupt out of nowhere in this like console thing that he's touching. Like, so is the plastic bleeding now? Like, is it a really stringy amoeba? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like one of those you know thermoresistant bacteria that are usually shades of red and orange that yeah. have somehow liquefied or are in a liquid growth medium of some sort. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And like anyway. this also again will never get addressed because later on. I don't know maybe we just jump here back and forth because like, I think it's hard to sort of even yeah. comment on the plot without sort of drawing on what we learn later but one of the things we learn is whatever it is which again we don't know about amoebas. whatever amoebas, <laughs> thermophilic bacteria space amoebas <laughs> um, red juice book amoebas but, um, whatever these creatures things influencers like I don't know, things in the air, smells, whatever it is, the hypothesis is that they're being transmitted via sweat, mm-hmm. perspiration on the ship, because of course it's going to make it on the ship, otherwise you wouldn't have an episode. But at this point in the show, is the console sweating? Like, yeah. what is that liquid? Who's sweating? And what is it in the liquid, or that? what is it that's being transmitted via the sweat that is yeah. causing these issues? And that's never, is it just like a chemical? Is it something in the air? Like, it's never clarified. Not a huge deal, but still just annoying enough. Like, just niggling at the back of your brain. It's like, yeah. but why, though? It's one of those things where I feel, hmm. Like, uh, like obviously, you want to build some tension. And it is pretty creepy to see this, like, red yeah. space amoeba bacterial thing, like, oozing out of the console and onto his hand. But, I mean, you could have also just as plausibly had it where they're handling the bodies. And... Yeah. You know, and you and you touch mannequin face, yeah. <laughs> and and you contract it there, and and then you have like you know, Joey like looking at his hand and rubbing it like it's itchy, and some tense music like we see with later characters who get mm-hmm. infected. Um, like yeah. you don't, you know, they go to such lengths to show how Joey picks it up, but it wasn't necessary. Like it, you know, it's it's. But even magic, if you wanted right? to like, keep the tension because the blood is tension, like I get yeah. it even if you wanted to keep that, then, you know, later on, maybe clarify what it's it an is. Amoeba! Exactly. Like say yeah. that, just say that, right? Like it could just be an amoeba in the air. And because it doesn't seem to be aerosol transmission necessarily, like it seems to be some sort of like absorption through your skin. You know, you can talk about how, again, you don't have to state it explicitly, but they do here and there go into the physics of stuff, right? Like we talked about in the last episode, how they explain what warp is and they refer to some other engine mechanics in this episode to sort of spoon feed us information that, you know, the audience at that time may not have been familiar with. So like appreciate the detail in some senses, there's just, I guess, some inconsistency. And like, (laughs) I fully acknowledge that we're harping on about one thing, And like, you know, at this point, realistically, we are maybe 45 seconds into the episode. Yeah. (laughs) But 
it just it's just so incongruous like you were saying earlier yeah. like like you have yeah. such attention to detail in some senses and then, but then just like it's a thing it does bad stuff just take our word for it <laughs> yeah right um you know what I think also it probably is related to both of us having an educational background in the life sciences <laughs> maybe <laughs> so you know like an audience who doesn't have that specialized education is probably just like oh whatever and we're just like we have seen biology and <laughs> science like life sciences science portrayed so poorly in so many movies and cinema uh -huh. That I think we're probably a little sensitized to it. At least I know I am. Sure. <laughs> I I will I will you know I will um I will acknowledge that I'm not familiar with space science. Like space yeah. biology is <laughs> foreign to me. Is you know extraterrestrial to me. Yeah. Um. But even so, infection, according to this show, <laughs> follows Earth rules. Right. So, <laughs> so tell me what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so this blood-like thing touches um, second guy, aka Joey, Joey, aka something or other's hand. And of course, the next logical move, were you in the situation, would be to stick your hand under your loose-ass mask, which, yeah. you know, again, what is it protecting? And then rub your nose? <laughs> like the, the, you know, the structural integrity of the hazmat suit is deeply problematic because there isn't really a seal between the head hood bit and the body but um, on top of that like this man is part of a an exploratory space yeah mission. space expedition to stick your hand under your mask no matter totally. the mass construction yeah but you know this like kind of strikes me as like i don't know like if this is a great analogy but there's this at least in my maybe i'm just gonna sound super gross when i say this but like there's almost this like morbid curiosity in us as people like there are yeah. situations where I know something's going to smell really bad when I know something's going to feel really gross if I touch it but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to confirm totally that it smells disgusting or feels yep. disgusting or like whatever it's like yep. just basically stimulate my senses in a <laughs> way to almost reinforce that I should be icked out by this totally <laughs> like walking so, past like, the trash can I'm like I'm gonna sniff yeah. that even though I know it's not bad <laughs> gonna sniff it <laughs> yeah like you know there's there's like these gross human impulses and I'm sure there's like some evolutionary impulse I think I was reading an article sorry huge tangent but basically I was Go reading a it. New Yorker article recently about I didn't finish it but I started to <laughs> read this article about this museum in in Malmo in Sweden Sweden where they do and it's like an entire museum dedicated to in quotes disgusting food Ooh. and so the food is sort of qualified for entry into this museum on the basis of a few different factors some of it is sort of like considering the process and like it's yeah. something like foie gras for example where it may not taste disgusting or smell disgusting or look disgusting but, but because you know the process of how it's generated you may be you know, uncomfortable hearing yeah. that, and that's the disgusting element of it. So they were talking about a few different sort of foods on display there, including foods that smell unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the foods that was mentioned was some, something we were talking about for completely random reasons, but um, the fermented shark fin that you were talking about. Oh, yes. And there's another sort of fermented herring type mm. um, thing, Solstromung, I don't want to say the name, I, I, that that was not it but something in that vein <laughs> yeah um from sweden which is supposed to be 
amongst the worst smelling things to a lot of people who may be unfamiliar with that smell. Like that's always the caveat with any of these things. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so they have those foods, like there's some foods that have good shelf lives. So they just live at this museum in perpetuity. Yeah. I guess longer term lifetime. <laughs> right. there's, there's other foods that get prepared on a weekly basis. And there's the foods that smell bad in like, I don't know if they still have this. I guess they do have a way of doing this safely, but especially in pre-COVID times, you had the opportunity sort of essentially to lift this jar, this glass bell jar and right. smell it. And you know, this fermented fish, for example, like the, the proprietor or the owner or the conceptual guy behind the museum talks like almost fondly of how many people have vomited after smelling this smell. <laughs> and, you know, like, why would a museum, and it's apparently the top attraction if you look up things to do in Malmo and Sweden. <laughs> and so it's just like such a reflection of human nature. Like you want yeah. to go do stuff that you think will make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And they were basically talking about in the article, like the purpose of the article was not to highlight that this is a thing, go do it, it's amazing. It's more to talk about like what makes something disgusting and how there is sort of a, you know, a cultural discrimination element to right. it because like something is disgusting to you often because you're unfamiliar with it not right. because there's something wrong inherently with consuming food or whatever it is that way yeah and how it's such an easy way to start creating opportunities for not great interactions between people from different cultural backgrounds right. yeah that aside if we can just take it at face value there is literally a museum where <laughs> they proudly tell you how often you may puke where your ticket is apparently printed on a bark bag. So, oh God. you know, you yeah. know you're going into you something that's unpleasant. In. And they theorize that, like, being disgusted or being uncomfortable is is important. And from an evolutionary perspective, yeah. because back in the day, it was the berries you didn't want to eat. You'd find right. that out through things that make you puke or things that repulse yeah. you and like less relevant now that humans are omnivores and we can cook our meat and stuff like that. But there's still sort of a biological impulse to maybe pick up on spoiled food, for example, and things like that. And so like that impulse aside, maybe reinforcing that impulse, I don't know, people pay good money to go yeah, here. Totally. Smell things <laughs> just to see how uncomfortable they will be. Right. And so yeah. probably a massive tangent and completely unrelated to what, but benefit of the doubt, maybe that's what Joey was doing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a subconscious. I'm gonna do this shit. Yeah, I'm gonna see how gross this is. What if yeah. it doesn't kill me? Then I have Wipe a good story to tell. Face. Yeah, exactly. Literally <laughs> in my nose. So if it doesn't yep. go through my skin, I'll breathe it in. Breathe just like 100% chance of complete experience right what? here. <laughs> Joey was the initially the original um, food critic. He was the original yeah. foodie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he paved the way. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, so touches his face, which you know as a scientific spaceship member is questionable highly suspect (laughs) and of course that's because this is good tv exactly when spock walks in and says don't touch anything (laughs) yeah right (laughs) too late (laughs) and of course by this point joey's glove is back on and pretends nothing's happened because that's cool yeah that's how safety that's how safety works (laughs) (laughs) asha would be proud um yeah so they have this conversation we know tension drama and you know immediately I think we already get a a shot of Joey like itching his hand or like you know perplexed looking at his hand and we're like oh shit's happened but we don't know exactly what it is yet yeah 
but yeah so they're back on the ship now and Kirk's checking in with Spock and the cause of death is unknown and I feel like this may be a recurring theme and or um, message in future episodes because it has to be the newest Right. most interestingest space thing but Spock is talking about how it's like nothing we've felt we've before. Done before yeah um I think it's so I think this is important and maybe this sort of ties into what we see on the Enterprise um one of them either Spock or Joey notes that the life support systems have been turned off mm-hmm. and this planet like we see a couple shots from space and it looks very cold and icy it's um and with the snow coming into the into the living area, presumably it's like an ice planet. And so like the cause of death for individuals, like we know that mannequin lady has been strangled. We don't really know what happened to man in the shower. We don't know what happened to man on the console. Uh Um, But we do know that life support systems weren't working. Uh Um, And that to me, that like seems like it's implied that that would be fatal. If they're Uh off for long enough, then people are gonna die. but that doesn't really tell you like why did somebody turn that off? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. So I guess they were frozen to death as a consequence of the life support systems, partially, partially as a consequence of that being turned off. And yeah, again, now that we have the benefit of sort of an explanation, whether good or bad, mm-hmm. it may sort of make more sense that we're we're revisiting some of these earlier plot points that maybe somebody under the influence of the mystery amoeba chose to turn it off as sort of like a consequence of whatever part of their you know subconscious or psyche or whatever the technical term is um is highlighted or is brought to the surface by mystery amoeba right um uh so we get back to the enterprise and spock and the other guy are Mm -hmm. decontaminating scotty is there to beam them up um and they get treated to a super duper light show which apparently is decontamination (laughs) fantastic and um we follow them to uh the medical bay Uh where bones looks them over um because i think one well i can't even remember is it kirk who's like oh you guys should go get checked out or if it's bones or spock or whatever anyway i think they just kind of like follow a logical progression because right spock these people creeped out yeah 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 i think that's it spock's obviously creeped out like joey goes to step off of the transport pad and and spock is like no we need to be condemned (laughs) condemned no (laughs) decontaminated condemned forever condemned forever um so yeah they kind of is for joey (laughs) yeah so they go to bones in the medical bay and they're getting checked over um and uh, Joey's not doing too well. He seems a little agitated. He's a little hung up on uh, the people who died down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spock says that he feels fine. Apparently, according to Bones' <laughs> instruments, Spock has a resting heart rate of something like 242 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. But his blood pressure is so low that it's essentially non-existent. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. I, I don't You don't. Know. You don't need to. All you need. I to guess know not. Spoken. He's he matters. comes from a different ocean than I, as he so poetically put it in a previous exactly. episode. He is only half human, and he is delighted to to be different, to be different from humans, <laughs> as he tells. I <laughs> loved that he said that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm really enjoying, to me at least, 
as someone not super familiar, I'm I'm really really enjoying Leonard Nimoy's Spock like yeah. so much, <laughs> and especially sort of how he's developing. And to me, despite other sort of disappointments in this episode, I actually really enjoyed all the scenes that Spock was in yes. and all the experiences Spock experienced on camera for us to view. Yeah, um, I think that was like a very strong part of the episode for me because yeah. it's very character building it's it's like an interesting way to sort of build this you know half human half Vulcan alien yeah. I don't know if we know he's Vulcan right now or not but I've googled him but yeah, yeah. so like, <laughs> we're learning about this this person this this creature and it's being done in not a, too much of a stuff it down your throat kind of way it's like right. it's evolving it's growing yeah. it's building and it was done I thought quite well through this episode as well as previous ones where you know we've seen a lot of like 3d chess being used to indicate his lack of feelings or his you know his valuing uh, logic um and here you sort of have that built on a little bit further so spock was was a highlight for me in this episode yeah yeah for sure um yeah his delight in being different was just such a like <laughs> sweet but kind of like cocky yeah oh totally it was great. Great. It, he delivers the line so dryly but it's fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> and and while joey is pretty agitated and like does not seem super sort of um, he's he seems to be almost in shock more than anything else yeah he physically yeah. checks out to be normal. fine based on bones instruments essentially but yeah he's definitely kind of going down the route of like they were out here all you know and they died and Mm -hmm. um and it's horrible how they died and we're out in space what are we doing out in space like you know um we shouldn't be here we're messing with nature we're messing with the natural order of things yeah um it honestly like it at first it doesn't to me, like, it, it doesn't seem like a totally unreasonable mm-hmm. response to discovering some people who randomly apparently died in mm-hmm. a very remote place. I don't know. It's kind of like coming up on the shacks of Antarctic explorers who never made it yeah. back. You know, yeah. like, there is some tragedy to it. Um, so Joey's definitely feeling it. And uh, somebody brings up the possibility of space madness. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, that's that's clearly a thing. Definitely yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, but there are no signs of radiation and uh, and so no evidence of that. But then Spock wisely points out that instruments only read what they're designed to measure. And Indeed. therefore, things could be happening that we don't understand. It's great. I loved it. I love that point, yeah. too, of just yeah. like there are limits to what we can measure and perceive. And yeah. you nailed it, Spock. Nailed it. And it's such a great reminder, maybe even a very timely reminder. Yeah. To just sort of think about the information that you have access to. Is that you know, in and of itself, does it stand scrutiny mm-hmm. without sort of considering, like, again, I guess our background sort of predisposes us to thinking about some of these things, but like, yeah. you know, considering sort of the source of information, considering how the information is gathered, yeah, considering sort of the controls that would be needed or the failings or the gaps or yeah. how it could be improved, like nothing is ever going to be 100% perfect. We'd love yeah. to be in a place where I think we can come up with things we are undoubtedly sure of and there Mm -hmm. are some you know theories and physics and stuff that we are undoubtedly sure of but the body of science as it evolves like the scientific method is basically to keep questioning and keep identifying sort of factors that can contribute to 
how you validated your hypothesis and your conclusions that you come to. And so this, this sort of reminder that, you know, in this society that's supposed to be far more advanced than anything we have today, where space travel was so routine, um, even in this progressive and scientifically advanced society, their advancements are only as good as the instruments they're able to build. Yeah. And only as good as what they know to inform what they look for, essentially. Yeah, like, right. Are you asking the right questions, basically, right? Yeah, there's some a priori bias going on. And, mm-hmm. and Spock hints at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was great. Yeah. Um, and then Kirk brings it back and says, look, like we're still going to stick around and observe this planet. It's going to collapse. We need mm-hmm. to be able to react super quickly. Um, has anything that we've observed on down on the planet uh, suggested that we were not going to be able to do that? And it's like, no, like we should be fine. Scotty's like, you know, I'll hook you right up to the helm. And so you've got all the engine power you need at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, they break to, to go off to their respective duties. Meanwhile, Joey has been, you know, released from the med bay and he goes to get food um, from <laughs> the food slot. Um, dumb waitery type thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he gets his, his dish. I'm disappointed. Do we actually see what's in the no, dish? No. no. I, I was think really... you said red celery and yes. I, I thought you had seen it, but I don't think we actually see that. No, I was yeah. I was hoping that we would get another glimpse of the red celery that Janice was eating before she gave the plate to Sulu <laughs> in like episode one, yes. <laughs> episode two. <laughs> yes. um, uh, but that didn't We will never happen. know. We will no, never know. I like, yeah. yeah. Um, And I I do want to quickly like just comment on how great some of these sound effects are. Yeah. So like Joey clearly is going through something, right? And nothing has checked out or nothing has like been obviously flagged in our sort of limited medical checkups, again, based on what it is we know to check for. Um, But every so often you see him like wiping his hand on his shirt and there's this like rattlesnake sound. Yeah, which, you know, is tension, <laughs> and and it, and it works. Like I love these cues that that tell me what I should be thinking. Like right. I should be suspicious. I should be tense right now because there's a rattlesnake. Yeah, it was so great. <laughs> Man, like you gotta wonder. Like, was this the first show to use the rattlesnake effect, and then just all other shows after have like <laughs> used something similar? And so we recognize the rattlesnake sound Maybe. as like a cue for tension but audiences seeing it for the first time wouldn't have or you know like what is the first yeah. episode to use this kind of sound effect to indicate like things are bad um <laughs> Who knows? yeah um another Just aside <laughs> <laughs> um another aside i will admit that the red top celery um grabbed my attention and has definitely held it which is why i was really excited that we may be able to see it in this episode but i've also been thinking like how do you actually do that in the real world to make a prop like that? And Ooh. I just remembered I had a little science book when I was a child with like mm-hmm. um, instructions for doing like baking soda and vinegar volcanoes and stuff. And I mm-hmm. believe if you put a stalk of celery in a glass yeah. of water that has food coloring in it, it absorbs it. Yeah, it does. The color reaction. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, shit, we need to do that. <laughs> Back to poor joey eating his not well he actually doesn't even get down to eat because he's so agitated he's like wiping his hands and this is when sulu and another officer comes in and they're chatting about fencing Mm -hmm. and 
and the the other guy's like well what's the point like why why do you even fence um and Sula's like oh it's good for the posture it's exercise it's balance um actually I think it's Joey who says that and and Sulu's like come on other person tell him it's good for the posture good for the balance and and Mm -hmm. Joey's not really having any of it and uh he's getting more and more agitated to the point where um you know Sulu actually says like hey man like what's going on and sort of taps him and Joey reacts by like flip it out and picking up his knife which is a dinner knife it's like a round tip (laughs) typical dinner knife um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and everybody gets up and it's all tense and other people in the dining room look over and uh and it looks like joey's gonna start a fight and stab some people and then he turns the knife on his on himself because Mm -hmm. uh, at this point he's getting more and more agitated about what are we doing in space why are we here we're trespassing we're all gonna die i think um is the logical conclusion there and yeah. uh, so he attempts to stab himself and Sulu and the other officer intervene. Unfortunately, Joey does get stabbed, although it's not too bad. He falls on the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other, I think it's the other officer, right? Is it Sulu or the other officer? I think the other one. Gets some of Joey's, poor Joey's blood on his shirt and he wipes it with his hand and cue rattlesnake sound effect. So both of them are intense, I guess, involved in calming Joey down at one point Sulu's trying to calm him down with words and Joey snaps at him saying you don't outrank me you don't have pointy Pointy ears ears, like some some Spock shade and you know like yeah to add to what he was upset about what you were saying earlier he's basically talking about how he thinks that they as a unit as a as a ship are bringing pain with them Mm-hmm. and are leaving men and women to die and are destroying stuff and like what right do we have to be alive if these other people have passed away under mysterious circumstances and that's when he stabs himself with a butter knife apparently and we do see blood and mm-hmm. you know this maybe ties in slightly to how he got infected or affected yeah. in the beginning but barely and yeah, he's looking super distressed about what's going on. Sulu and the other guy are more just kind of handling the situation. I don't think they really realize that this may be a direct consequence of uh, Joey, having, Joey having been on this this planet. I don't know how mm-hmm. familiar they actually even are with what happened on the planet because I don't know if this information was relayed past right. either the captain or like the people who were in the immediate vicinity when they were being decontaminated. So I'm not yeah. sure how well known it is that Joey may not be well even having been sent back from the the sick bay but yeah yeah, so he gets stuck back to med bay I think at this point and um there's a comment I don't remember who says this but there was a comment about how the planet where all these people died and the planet that is currently you know going to disappear and therefore in part of that process is starting to shrink and basically pull stuff into its atmosphere Mm -hmm. was actually remarkably like the earth before its sun went dark um oh it's um it's spock here and so he says that this planet that they're orbiting that star um Mm -hmm. the the star of this particular planet has gone dark which raises the question of like well how can we see the planet (laughs) on the viewfinder um that hasn't been answered on the ship yeah that didn't really get satisfactorily answered within this episode you know what you know like it could be other wavelengths of radiation that have just been like shifted into the visible spectrum but i'm still just going to point out like if there's no sun then i don't know how we're seeing it 
Um, but it's pretty morbid because he's like, I mean, this is essentially a black hole happening yeah. to a planet instead of a star, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And Spock is like, this is what's going to happen to Earth. And everyone's yeah. kind of like, um, okay, <laughs> that, got, that went pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of like builds on Joey's like anxiety and yeah. distress because he is very upset about human lives being lost, right? Mm-hmm. In this exploratory mission that, technically I guess didn't need to happen and it kind of sort of reminds me of the the you know the has science gone too far type of conversations yeah. where it's like just because we can should we should and we yeah very very interesting you know topic of conversation for another time but it sort of falls in that same vein to me where mm-hmm. it's just like you know why do we need to be out here why do we need to be doing these things especially when there is such a risk associated with it and then to sort of like build on to that in in a sort of oh my god there is impending doom almost is to say this planet was basically like earth it's almost like foreboding like an omen yeah you know not that this at all has any implications on actual earth in the show yeah but it just kind of builds a little bit of like an ominous tone to totally yeah which is an interesting choice and again like just this whole episode so far has been a lot of building yeah and you know, it basically keeps doing this. It's almost like asymptotic to a point and then <laughs> <Yeah>. crash. Then <laughs> crash. Yeah. Um, right. So we cut to the bridge real quick for that scene. Um, and in the meantime, Joey's been taken to sick bay and mm-hmm. uh, Bones and Nurse Chapel are operating on him and his uh, vitals are not doing well. He's on the table and he's declining. His breath rate is dropping. He's getting weaker. Mm-hmm. The doctor is, you know, saying to Nurse Chapel, like, oh, hit him with some stimulant or something. I don't know. Um, put a respirator like a on him. Yeah. Oh yeah, like the respirator. And then I think she hits him with, or he does. And a wireless respirator. Yeah, um, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not connected to anything. <laughs> Technology. Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and he unfortunately dies on the table. Mm-hmm. And Bones is very perplexed. He's saying, you know, the wounds weren't very deep. Um, there's like no way this guy should have died i don't understand what happened um it's not you know it's it's very surprising um and kirk and spock are looking over joey's personality kind of summary i guess it sounds Mm -hmm. like he's been through it sounds like everybody goes through a battery of like Mm -hmm. psychological and personality testing and i mean it makes sense yes it does becoming an astronaut is probably one of the most rigorous processes yeah in normal times so I could see this being something similar um yeah so uh they've got all this information on his character and apparently he's you know pretty good as Mm -hmm. officers go but he is prone to imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. uh which was kind of sad to hear well of course it's sad to hear I don't know um Mm -hmm. I feel like imposter syndrome comes up a lot in scientific scientific fields so I'm like oh I can relate to that but (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's hard (laughs) I wasn't sure why like the imposter syndrome part fits as a character trait but like I don't really fully understand why that may or may not explain his reaction like especially when we later find out the kinds of things this amoeba thing is causing the stream yeah causing um and also sort of just as a side note at this point Sue's getting all sweaty and creepy yeah as well so it yeah. confirms the what the rattlesnake sound has previously already sort of hinted at mm-hmm. um but yeah so this imposter syndrome thing I think it was like interesting especially for again if you think back to the time 
that this the concept was thrown out there because I think it's much more a part of our sort of common understanding and general consciousness these days. But again, yeah. like looking back, I don't know how, maybe I'm projecting, maybe I'm assuming this is some like, you know, uh, bronze era sort of society. <laughs> maybe they're far more psychologically and emotionally capable than I'm giving them credit for, which shame on me if that's the case. But yeah. it does seem like kind of progressive for yeah. that time. Totally. Um, like I think even, you know, imposter syndrome in and of itself might not have been um, uh, something that was like commonly known or discussed the way that it is now. Like, I feel like there's a new article about imposter syndrome showing up on the BBC every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's definitely in the public consciousness now, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it would have been, well, it's, I'm assuming it wouldn't have been back then, Mm -hmm. but also like, I think they're, you know, there definitely was a lot of stigma towards yeah. mental illness or lack then. of confidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. That like, you know, imposter syndrome might not be um, uh, the first thing that we think of when we think of mental illness, but it, yeah. you know, it we is. make that connection now. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that connection was made back then. And like, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot cool. of yeah, yeah there's a to me and I agree like it feels very novel and ahead of its time to be bringing mm-hmm. up imposter syndrome and and it's just sort of in passing of like you know he's a he's a good officer yeah. bit of imposter syndrome totally. but it doesn't seem to have been a problem for him before like yeah yeah so this is like newer or sort of I guess almost like they're essentially hinting at that it may be sort of something that is he's something he feels on the inside but doesn't necessarily explicitly express yeah his personality so whatever has happened to him has caused him to be something that he isn't usually when you're in control of what you present to the outside world and this obviously pays off to some extent later on when you learn more about what's going on Mm -hmm. and and in this in this plot like at this point in the plot they're just building 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 there's just a lot of tension and there's you know a thousand things going on at the same time McCoy is anxiously calling Kirk to the med bay and he doesn't go right away and at the same time you know Kirk is getting input from Spock telling him that the planet's continuing to shrink and the ship is continuously being pulled to the planet yeah they are trying to maintain the distance that they need but you know we again need to be ready to respond at a moment's notice and the ship needs to be mechanically able to respond yeah. as soon as we need to and so like the fact that this is now being said i don't know third fourth fifth time <laughs> yeah guarantees that it's going to fail yeah right like heavy duty foreshadowing here. yeah yeah and while this is going on like very very tense moments on the bridge of the ship's probably going to fail you yeah. have um sulu and at this point i learned at least the other guy's name which is riley yeah so and these are the two people that were in the dining room area with joey when joey stabs himself with a butter knife um that uh they're both sort of sweaty and they're both agitated they're both sort of like rubbing their palms on their shirts and just acting slightly out of character Mm. and this is a to me probably the creepiest of the moment yeah you know what we should go work out just take the edge off it's like you know let's go in the corner and do some drugs (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, totally. <laughs> it's definitely um, Sulu as drug dealer um, for a moment there, being like, yeah, like you want to yeah. buy some drugs? Let's go down and do some Let's fencing do and work Let's out. Do it. Like yeah. work out in quotes, you know? It's like, yeah. Let's do some drugs. Let's go have some sex. Let's do something we're not supposed to be doing. Totally. To take the edge off, you know? To take the edge off, which is crazy. Like they're yeah. supposed to be manning the helm. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm really keyed up. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so he slinks off. Like it's super creepy. He waits until Kirk at this point has left the bridge. And so it's Spock yeah. in charge. And Spock is over by Uhura looking at his instruments or something. Um, and Sulu just like tiptoes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Kirk finally... Kirk finally is like, you know, in his, in his dealing with all the burning fires at the same time, makes it over to Bones, who basically, like, his medical opinion, his medical expertise suggests that Joey basically probably just died because he lost the will to live. Right. was an interesting comment, especially, yeah. again, sort of like if you were to think back to why people on the planet died. Yeah. As well. And again, this is like, building up to be interesting because I'm intrigued by that, right? I'm yeah. intrigued by something that's affecting your mental well-being or affecting your, like, I mean, I don't know if you can so instantaneously die of something that's a result of your emotional state. Mm-hmm. Not to say I know exactly all the ways in which people can die, but it just seems really unlikely for it to right. be so short term. Yeah. But for a medical doctor to suggest this, in a setting where they're encountering again something that they've never encountered before, before. yeah um was intriguing right like I was yeah. I was intrigued by what it is like this mystery amoeba is it like eating away your brain and your yeah. capacity essentially to have your heart beat or for your lungs to expand and pull in air like is that basically the physical manifestation that leads bone to believe that he essentially lost the will to live right yeah or like I kind of interpreted that as like a very poetical way of saying that like you know Joey stabs himself it's Mm -hmm. an act of like self-mutilation we could even go so far as to see it as attempted suicide Mm -hmm. so now he's on the table and you know he's not conscious presumably but he's conscious enough to to know that you know someone's trying to save him and and he just you know commits suicide which gives him a lot of agency on an operating table mm-hmm. um, it's just but, not the kind of like biological possibility that we're familiar with it's right. possible in star trek world maybe yeah but you know if you're on a respirator for your like i don't know i would expect there to be an actual underlying physiological, physiological yeah reason yeah and, um and it's funny it, it because, is a poetic way like yeah it totally is but it's, it's very just, poetic and, and it's almost and, like a forced poetic if anything yeah. yeah um and kirk doesn't like it uh kirk responds with something like that's an opinion i want facts mm-hmm. you know um good so he, for him. <laughs> yeah good for him like he's not satisfied with that um and you know appropriate response totally as yeah. you say like good for him he's got 400 odd lives um that he's responsible yeah. for they're about to do a, a super tricky maneuver with this collapsing planet you know he wants to know if the if joy being on the planet has any connection yeah. to what happened and bones is like well he was decant decon- <laughs> decanted <laughs> decanted <laughs> decontaminated <laughs> um, and kirk is like well just check like you know look for the impossible because this is you know this could be an impending crisis more build up <laughs> well, that's a logical ask you know <laughs> yeah 
Um, and at this point, we cut back to the bridge, and Riley, who initially resisted Sulu's attempts to uh, tempt him into a workout. Um, <laughs> In quotes. <laughs> <laughs> drugs. Mm-hmm. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, has started acting super strange and um, and Irish. He's like singing and is going on about how he's Irish. And Spock is just like, get the, king the hell of the off. Irish. Yeah, King of the Irish. And Spock is yeah. like, get off the bridge. And I think um, at this point is when they notice that Sulu's gone too. And they're like, where the hell Sulu? Where did Sulu go? Yeah, what totally. the hell's going on? You need to leave immediately as well. And like Spock is finally at the helm, which, you know, is not where he needs to be usually. Right. <laughs> so it's just very much a Spock's taking charge, but he's also kind of in a, in a space that he's not accustomed to being in so this is like you know emergency the defcon levels are going down (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's bad um so riley uh you know removes himself from the bridge into the elevator um and then appears in the sick bay and Mm -hmm. asks um nurse chapel about uh joey what happened to joey and and nurse chapel says he didn't make it um i know he was a friend of yours and uh riley touches her face and says she has very pretty eyes and mm-hmm. of course we get you know cue the rattlesnake because he's touched her yeah. and uh yeah. and so she's potentially contaminated we are led mm-hmm. to believe that she has um contracted the space amoeba yes um yes. but we there don't quite know like when there shouldn't have been <laughs> right um but at this point like all we've seen so far is joey like losing it Mm-hmm. and stabbing himself with a knife and then dying on the table mm-hmm. and Riley doing lots of singing and just kind of like all over the place <laughs> mm-hmm. but we get sort of our first taste of how serious this shit can be um because we cut to Sulu emerging from yes. somewhere without his shirt on but with hold his on, hold on content yeah. warning this is the sex this, this is, is the, the sex. sex he has no shirt on he has no and- shirt on he is a very good looking man, definitely <laughs> takes care of his body. And then he's got a foil for fencing or an epi. I don't remember which one he's using. Um, but uh, it's great. He's like um, chasing people around the decks and waving his sword at them and laughing and calling them cowards and definitely channeling a sort of swashbuckling pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point he like a... tries poking himself as well. Yeah. And I think you mentioned he'd taken the guard off of the right. device. Um, and so this could actually hurt him. And this kind of yeah. like ties into how Joey was sort of fascinated by this knife that could have killed him or yeah. maybe contributed to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's alarming, even as it is beautiful. he is a good looking man okay i am not denying this i just love how it was referred to as it that's all i'm talking about. yeah <laughs> honestly i feel like the female gaze is being catered to a fair amount in this episode and i'm here for it we stand <laughs> or or knowing george takei also the male gaze you know true yes um i'm not sure that he was out then um oh really okay i i I honestly i don't know um if he was way to cater to that male gaze if he wasn't Mm -hmm. way to cater to that male gaze in secret and Mm -hmm. the female gaze openly (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gaze on the spectrum yeah yeah 
But yeah, um, so yeah. he is dancing around being a pirate person or they actually specifically identify what he's being as a swashbuckler, like you were saying earlier. And at this point, um, Smarty Pants Spock basically picks up on the pattern and yeah. he talks about how it seems like traits are being sort of amplified by whatever is going on with these people and he sort of spots that this has happened with joe and how maybe the like underlying imposter syndrome-esque traits and the sort of like doubts about what they're doing and why they're doing yeah. it are being amplified and riley who is the descendant of an irish person now considers himself an irish king and king. Is <laughs> that up really well and stulu we don't talk about why he's being a swashbuckler but it's being a swashbuckler yeah. for some reason um i think he, it's probably like to me i interpreted it as like you know if you ask him what his favorite books are it's sure. things like treasure island um and you know he really identifies space travel with sea exploration um yeah. was yeah. how i interpreted it uh, I mean, but yeah, it we're, is here, a space we're here for ship. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a spaceship. Yeah, ship. What's the best kind of ship? A space. Spaceship. Not a friendship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. yeah, so you know this this ship is descending into deeper and deeper layers of trouble. So oh, yeah. you've got these people acting crazy pants, and you know I don't know if they are. I might be messing my timeline up a little bit, but we do kind of soon thereafter probably essentially get hints of other crew members starting to act strangely and yeah. these aren't necessarily these crew members who are named or focused or on that we or see whose journey we watch but you know yeah. they're acting odd and at this point um of course the ship stops working too all kinds of alarms are going off and sulu's being all swashbuckly on the bridge and basically getting in the way of everything and to sort of like get a handle on him everybody touches him so because yeah. he's wearing his he's not wearing his shirt this is a plot point <laughs> and he's sweating <laughs> yes. from his fencing we right. all come into contact with his torso which is mm -hmm. essentially you know he's he's basically the center of a, a spoke of like of a pinwheel essentially where everybody around him is he's a super a spreader source, um, this is a spreading event to use yes. the parlance of today <laughs> yes, it's an exposure event an outbreak. It's a, totally it's a localized outbreak and he is patient zero pretty much um yeah uh, so yeah, like all touching touches him kirk touches him spock touches him and this is, I think this is important to note that Uhura does touch him. He kind of yes. sweeps her up in um, in his arms and is kind of like, I'll keep you safe from the, you know, <laughs> ragamuffin. I don't even remember what he says. He's basically just like, I'm going to save the damsel in distress. And she's yes. um, trying to push away. So she absolutely touches him. And then Kurt gets in there, I think, and grabs the foil. And then Spock um, does a sneaky thing, which I know you noticed. <laughs> yes. So I don't, I, I don't know if it's called something or if this is a Vulcan. Yes. I think it is a Vulcan thing. Yeah. Basically, he seems to just. It doesn't seem very forceful, but it's like a no. very knowing, gentle touch somewhere, sort of in, not quite the nape, almost like the the curve of your neck going into yeah. your shoulder, and just like a very precise touch and that immediately incapacitates Sulu and he's unconscious like immediately yeah. and Kirk's like you're gonna have to teach me how to do that and I yeah. was like you know what you're gonna have to teach me how All to do us. that because <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I um, want to be able to do that not not for evil only for good but yeah <laughs> damn um, <laughs> it's referred to at least in later episodes as the Vulcan nerve pinch 
Um, oh, okay. And yeah, so I, the, the, the implication is, is that Spock is able to touch you in, in various places in your body and, and tap into your nervous system. Right. Um, specifically, actually, it's that spot. The, it's the shoulder. Basically, he touches a nerve there and you're out for the count. It's super so. effective. Like It is. I mean, if you're um, going to get close enough to do hand-to-hand combat, why bother? Just just do the nerve thing. Yeah. Athlete. Yeah. And it's, um, I guess, like, it's, you know, I don't, like, they call it the Vulcan nerve pinch. And I don't ever remember anyone else using it in the series. I may be wrong because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't remember all of it. <laughs> but, um, like, the implication is that it's something unique to Vulcans. Like, a human right. could never do it on another human but a Vulcan could do it on a human and maybe other Vulcans. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. To watch the show, but it was it was a it was a another feather in the cap of the Spock character. Of Spock, yep. yeah. He's he's a fantastic character, and like it's just being built right. It's like yeah. hints at what he is, who he is. He is. Um, and as this is going on, basically, it's like mayhem essentially on the ship. And at this point, we find out that. So I will fully acknowledge that there was a lot going on. It was very hard yeah. for me already not being super familiar with the characters or the ship's sort of layout or the different moving parts of the ship to keep track of who was doing what, where. But yeah. to my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Riley has taken up Scotty's station, locked him out, and he's basically in the engine room at this yeah. point. Yeah. And he seems to have control over everything on the ship in this room for some reason. Yeah. And so he locks all, all of Kirk and Hura and Spock and essentially everybody on the bridge. Actually, I can't remember if Spock's there or not, but basically he's taken over. He says he's relieved Scotty, but basically he's sort of like taken over control of everything and seems to sort of be the puppeteer to mm-hmm. all of these helpless puppets. And he is like playing with the systems and is making them less capable of dealing with the implosion into the planet. Um, Their engines are maybe not as responsive or power has been somehow disrupted essentially, but just not good stuff is happening. (laughs) Yep. And so at this point we learn because this is essentially exactly how tension is built in adventure. Um, They have 20 minutes till they will burn up I guess because they or have power get left. sucked into the gravity well that is the planet and not be able to escape I don't know impending yeah. doom is nigh basically it's 20 minutes away essentially yeah. so um he Riley is now using the comm systems which again for whatever reason are completely controlled by the engine room to the exclusion of all else basically which is I would have assumed power that should be restricted to the bridge but I guess not I wonder, um, like, I wonder if that's a backup that if the bridge is like destroyed maybe. or inaccessible yeah. due to physical damage. I mean, I can't, like, I don't know, space. Like, I feel like if you've got hull damage, then you're pretty screwed. But um, maybe that's just it. Sure, that if the bridge fair. is damaged, that's you've fair. got the engine room. But yeah, <laughs> it seems We're just like really a design flaw, on good like, judgment. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, you're why just really reliant really on good access? judgment. <laughs> exactly exactly there should be some sort of fingerprint something or other or like you need you know like the two keys to be turned at the same time to divert power (laughs) to this other i don't know again my lack of space and you know ship and physics knowledge is going to shine through in most of these descriptions but yeah he's taken over calm and he's singing in i guess some sort of limericky fashion about essentially watching people fade and die yeah and he's also cut off what he calls the alert channel so and proclaims himself a form the official captain of the ship 
announces a formal dance in the bowling alley later that night and instructs all female crew members to wear their hair loose and show some restraint while wearing their makeup because too much is, you know, not not classy, essentially. <laughs> and then goes back to singing his, his Irish song. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I think you said this and I wrote this down because you're so right. It just seems like there's so many design flaws and no <laughs> fail safes basically yeah because it should not be this easy for somebody who is under the influence of something right like all, yeah, all intents and purposes to take over yeah but this yeah, is a problem so riley riley is boss person like you know i guess for reference let's think back to the last time somebody was able to so comprehensively take everything over it was a psychic kid yeah like charlie x <laughs> with asian powers that's what yeah. it took last time but now we basically have a drunk man who's singing, <laughs> who sings his way into the engine room and takes over. <laughs> this is like some weird Joker subplot in a bad movie. Yeah. But yeah. So you've got that 20 minute time limit that's, you know, fast elapsing and you have Riley making everyone's life harder. Yeah. Um, we sort of cut to the sick bay at this point where Sulu has been tranquilized to keep mm-hmm. control, but obviously the tranquilizer will wear off at some point, and that sort of impending countdown is also in the back of our minds. Yeah. While at the same time, Scotty is basically figuring out how to stabilize the ship and give them enough power to not, you know, get sucked into the planet. And now we are told 16 minutes left because yeah. tension, drama, tension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then Spock is heading to the sick bay and at this point basically sees what I, I alluded to earlier, which mm-hmm. is essentially most of the crew descending into madness. Madness. Being super odd. Mm-hmm. And Scotty is basically the, you know, the real MVP in this episode who is just trying to get back control of the engineering room. Yeah. And Spock and him have a totally pointless conversation at this point. Yeah, where this Spock didn't need to happen. Him at all Fox like speed up and he's like well i can only do what physics allows me to do essentially i'm restrained by the laws of physics physics yeah and he's like we don't have enough time if you continue at the speed you're going at you'll you'll we'll we'll make die. it yeah. and she's like you just lost a precious 30 seconds you guys talking yeah. about this seriously like, seriously <laughs> and and like it's it's scotty cutting into the side of a wall mm-hmm. and obviously like if he does it too quickly he's gonna cut something like mm-hmm. that's he's like i've got a, a built-in safety factor here and spock's like you can't afford that and it's like but like stop distracting him go do whatever yeah. it is you're supposed to be doing leave scotty alone <laughs> yeah and like you know again spock with logic should understand this so that was kind of an interesting right are we seeing almost an early breakdown yeah maybe maybe of, of spock's control that's that's a fair point actually maybe because he has touched him right so this yeah. is maybe his sort of progression the towards the worst of it yeah yeah and we're back in the sick bay and bones is mad bones is not happy bones we're is pissed. biopsy reports and freaking harrison not giving him the reports like yeah gotta fire harrison now yeah and sulu's tranks are wearing off and Bones is asking, in my notes, Nurse Lady. <laughs> <laughs> nurse Chapel. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've heard her point. name yet. Um, I just know that she's called Nurse Chapel. <laughs> I, think, I think we do hear it at one point, especially okay. when she starts coming on to Spock. But um, Ooh, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, nurse Lady has to keep diagnosing and monitoring. And she seems very pleased by this. 
and yeah. is She's rubbing like, her hands together like a yeah. little grasshopper or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And at this point, back on the bridge, tension, tension, tension. Janice has to take over the helm. Because there's nobody left at this point. It's just Kirk yeah. and Uhura. And Janice makes it up to um, the bridge. She's being hassled by other crew members. Spock has to like step in and, and tell people to leave her alone. She finally gets up there. And Kirk is just like, take the hell! <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Freaking Janice does it because she is she, amazing. She rises to the challenge. And she takes the helm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like She's so underappreciated. Yeah. And there's a brief moment that I may have read too much into just because, again, of what I perceive to be true about Kirk and his romanticness. But mm-hmm. there's like a, a brief, uh, inappropriate really, if you think about the tension, but Uhura and Kirk kind of have a moment that sort of maybe hints at possible future romance, which you mm-hmm. have told me you won't spoil for me. So I guess we'll find out. But yeah, um, there is a moment of pause, longing looks, yeah. et to yeah. be honest, I didn't quite read it that way. So they're like panic and mm-hmm. and Kirk says something, he needs something from her, her or he wants her to do something and he and he yells at her. He raises his voice and says, you know, do it. And she kind of starts to reply with, I'm doing it as fast as I can, or something like that. And they both just kind of pause and look at each other. And Kirk says, sorry. And to me, like I just interpreted it as they've both just realized like they're freaking out, they need to get it under control. Kirk apologizes and then they go back to business but like you're right maybe there is a romantic subtext there maybe I, I think missed. my my thing might be influenced by just the actress who plays Uhura I think yeah. a lot of her expressions are very sort of like there's just almost like this twinkle in her eye constantly yeah. and that's just how she is and maybe she's playing it up as well so like a lot of what she does to me often reads as having an undertone of either like wanting to be friends or a flirtation or just sort of like being pleasant in a mm-hmm. way that can be maybe misconstrued by myself as as attraction or affection mm-hmm. so I fully acknowledge that that may not have been it at all but like that actress the way she's almost just got like a tiny smile on her face always and there's just like a bit of a twinkle in her eye where mm-hmm. maybe I'm reading too much into it but yeah I, I could fully be plugging something in that doesn't exist mm-hmm. I think it was like even like if there is romantic text okay but I think like it was still big that you know he snaps at her she snaps at him but he's the commanding officer and he apologizes to her Mm -hmm. like I think that's big um and like given the time that this show came out he's white and she's black and Mm -hmm. so that's I think that's something um Kirk's a cool captain you know he's he's a cool mom so, of course <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so that happens janice is at the helm um and spock has finally made it to the sick bay and yeah. is like checking up on like what's going on or whatever and nurse chapel corners him and um starts to touch him hold his hand lots of hand holding getting in close and for his face several times yeah and um declares her love for him um it says you know like you don't treat women poorly like other vulcans or whatever um declares her love for spock and spock is like it's i I got i had trouble reading exactly his response to that mm-hmm. like does he reciprocate or is he disgusted by this emotion that she's demonstrating um like so I, I, I yeah I didn't know how to how to interpret how he responds yeah. to that I didn't really get a good read on it so the way I sort of 
note, noted it down was that he looked like perplexed or confused, yes. but it could be the beginnings of, because this is what it builds up to be. It could be the beginnings of like him, sort of his worst fear being realized when she says he's not like other Balkans because he wants mm. so much to not be human and like yeah. to not be weak, which is what seem, he seems to associate with a lot of human feelings and traits. And so when she explicitly uses that as a way to distinguish him and sort of to like, classify him as you're not like other Vulcans maybe that hits a nerve mm -hmm. or like is something that he's insecure about and in addition to that because like he's in denial about his sort of human side but is likely having some sort of response to what she's saying yeah it may not be reciprocation of affection but it could be like discomfort at I don't want you to have feelings for me because right. I don't reciprocate, don't reciprocate. Right. yeah so I think it's like a combination of all that that's leaving him uncomfortable confused and just like not sure what to do and yeah. so yeah to me that was just perplexed yeah um yeah. yeah so she basically tells him at this point and sort of hammers home to his insecurities right where he's yeah. like you know she she's like you do have feeling and you hide it and I know you, right. you know, can't always control your emotions and yeah. I know you're feeling something and it may not be for me but you have emotion yeah so she outs him essentially yeah. She's basically sort of like taking everything he doesn't want to be true about himself. Like it's it's yeah. it's finding the one thing you maybe deep down know to be true about yourself, but maybe you're actively working on not being yeah. true. And then yeah. having someone say that's the best part of you, and then going on and on and on, and like until you will, yeah. are willing to accept that, it's not something you want to hear, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, or at least that's what it seems like, especially when we get to the next couple of scenes with Spock, which I thought were fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she sort of continues to kiss his hand and touch his face and he starts to apologize and he looks quite upset um, and the bridge is calling for him. He doesn't respond and doesn't necessarily like acknowledge that they're calling for him, but yeah. he does leave and we don't really know where he's going at this point, but he genuinely seems not okay. He's out of yeah. breath. He continues to not acknowledge that call, which is pretty out of character for Spock, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And it almost looks like he's holding back tears was yeah. how I, I saw it and mm -hmm. yeah he's just very distressed yeah it's a it's yeah. a very emotional moment totally um for him mm -hmm. right so he leaves the sick bay and then we cut back to the engineering room scotty has finally cut through the hole in the wall and has control of the door and kirk with two anonymous officers bust in and literally like pick riley up out of the chair and throw him to mm -hmm. a waiting officer to be dragged away basically it's, a, Pretty much. it's some manhandling going on here riley is um, ejected riley is ejected and scotty and kirk get to work um mm -hmm. restoring power to all the ship systems we cut back to spock who has now gone into a conference room and mm -hmm. has closed the door and is now breaking down into tears yeah. he's very not he's okay yeah. yeah he's um he's telling himself i'm in control i don't have emotions i'm an officer of this ship it's my duty but he can't even finish saying it he starts crying um mm -hmm. and he's apologizing he's saying you know i'm sorry and and it's too late and then yeah he does some strange math two four six i'm not really sure what's happening there yeah um like but he's he counts down to something or is counting yeah. up to something there's something going on like yeah i i wrote down that he's doing math of some sort but yeah. later on i think it sort of just essentially comes down to him looking back on things he's done and like yeah maybe counting up the times he's done things that aren't 100 percent vulcan 
right yeah possibly but mm-hmm. yeah at this point the takeaway is is he's not he's not okay and he's crying he's very upset he's very out of his element or out of his comfort yeah. zone and leonard nimoy is just you you feel for the guy like he yeah so bad for spock yeah it's um it's it's brilliant because it's um his performance is is not over the top no. it's uh, it's a bit understated i would say yeah um but it's so convincing at you know conveying spock's distress um Absolutely. yeah it's a it's a big it's a big moment for um for spock yeah and it actually this is maybe a failing on my part but like it took me a second to connect this to the mystery amoeba like to me mm. this almost seemed to be spurred by the nurse right? yeah and I just was the like, nurse oh God, like you just yeah. can't handle this human interaction right <laughs> um but, and that's kind of almost a like a credit to the acting where it's yeah just like, this is this could be a natural response to a situation that leaves you that uncomfortable right like I don't know as women I think we're put into situations where we have to deal with these kinds of things being said to us where you don't know how to respond and you don't know yeah. what to do and I know in my own personal experience a lot of times my response is just being so emotionally overwhelmed with even the smallest of situations sometimes that I just cry yeah I cry 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 think about the worst of everything can't really stop focusing on the worst of everything so that's basically sort of what I viewed right. in, this, in this scene and that's kind of amazing that that's conveyed mm-hmm. um but then you also sort of check back into the plot of the episode and realize that this is also like nurse chapel has touched his entire face body. multiple yeah. times <laughs> his right? face yeah not his body <laughs> she's, kissed, she's kissed his hands her saliva's on him too at yeah. some point right so he very infected yeah but yeah no you're right that um like everybody knows that he's half vulcan um mm-hmm. and so you could imagine that you know if we're kind of if we're going with the conclusion that the infection of the amoeba is sort of like being drunk in that it reduces your inhibitions. So Nurse Chapel is saying something to him that maybe plenty of people like might think, but mm-hmm. they're never going to say it to him because mm-hmm. he's Vulcan, yeah. at least half Vulcan. And so, you know, maybe he's never encountered this in his adult life. Um, so even without infection by the amoebas would probably be pretty alarming or you know shocking anyway and then he's got the amoeba so it's just like kicking it into high gear yeah and like his sort of whole process of dealing with this emotion seems to take him back to thinking about his mother i think he mentions right that comes a bit later yeah but like in this whole breakdown he is talking about his mother he's talking about his parents he's talking about his upbringing so there's just like a lot of suppressed emotion too yeah that's getting bundled up into his response to this situation and just mm-hmm. makes for some very sort of interesting character building to me. yeah um but yeah so at this point ship is still in disaster mode there's only yeah. eight minutes left now and it, the outer layer of the ship is heating rapidly basically catching on fire because of friction with the planet's atmosphere which mm-hmm. to me like i love that they throw these little sprinkles of explanation in yeah <laughs> um, it's it's fantastic right and yeah it, it just like doesn't take for granted that disaster is happening because disaster has to happen to keep the right. plot rolling yeah um there's actually like build like it's part of the story yeah um yeah. The engines will apparently need 30 minutes, Scotty says, uh, because he can't change the laws of physics. Yeah, and... he makes 
I think here he makes some comment about mixing matter with antimatter and yes. the implication is you can't do it cold you have to heat something up and it's going to take 30 minutes to heat one or both of the matters and antimatters together if right. you mix them cold you will generate an implosion um mm -hmm. and uh we don't want that we really yeah. don't want that <laughs> and he's sharing this with kirk i believe who says yes. we have to risk it we have to risk the implosion yeah and kirk, theoretically and it's possible exactly yeah scotty's like it's only a theory and kirk's like even if it's a theory if it's theoretically possible we have to take that chance yeah because we're just gonna die we're gonna die um if we don't do anything so let's risk it mix the the cold matter and antimatter generate an implosion and somehow the implication is we'll be able to ride that out of mm -hmm. this situation yeah i can't say um, i fully understood this nope definitely did not understand this i think we went into like space tv show woo woo physics woo woo, or chemistry quantum chemistry whatever. quantum yeah. television woo woo um yeah. so whatever i don't think i need to know it i don't think we need to but i was willing it. to buy it exactly yeah like, totally i, didn't, I was like i didn't cool. feel the need to question it yeah. yeah scotty i believe it can't can't mix yeah. it cold man that's how yeah. you break the, the yeah. glass dish <laughs> how how silly of kirk to be like just mix it um yeah <laughs> but i i also wanted to mention quickly here that this is now in five episodes the second time to my memory that yeah. kirk has been like we got to take that chance it's our yeah. survival which <laughs> okay like legitimately <laughs> probably true but also damn like you're an adrenaline junkie basically pretty much like um and, i don't know man this doesn't really seem like appropriate captainly behavior that twice now you've yeah. gotten your crew into like life or death situations well well i mean that maybe just comes with the job description but your way of handling getting out yeah. of it isn't about like calculated risks it's not nope. about looking at what the protocols for the situation are because <laughs> While you can't account for everything, there's got to be like methods in place for what to do if your ship is crashing, right? Like, there's no hey. way they couldn't have accounted for this. Yeah, maybe not this exactly, but like, what yeah. happens if your engine is overheating? There's got to be a protocol for this. <laughs> Other no. than you're fucked. Time to try a theoretical yeah. application of matter, antimatter. Um, and you know, fingers crossed and hang on to your totally. butt. <laughs> Park is very like in these like he's he's a very competent captain in many many ways like he yeah. he's got a lot of empathy he makes you know tough decisions in a way that you can respect that he's making those decisions most of the time and like is very concerned about the well-being of everybody on his team like all really strong leadership traits in that sense but his risk-taking behavior is insane to me yeah based on these two instances but holy crap like it Bruh. pays off it pays off which we're lucky that it does although we don't really even get full confirmation that, it, that does. it does because yeah. of how weird the end is but yeah like damn this is not i don't know like it almost makes me this sounds so shitty but not not shitty but it's such a strange thing for me to ever imagine myself saying but like it almost makes me think bureaucracy has value <laughs> <laughs> like, because it keeps the yahoos out <laughs> but you know like there's a reason things often like I don't know I don't want to justify <laughs> bullshit bureaucracy but you know processes exist for a reason. For a reason, yeah, totally. It's for a reason, and yeah. then you have like friggin' Kirk doing whatever the hell he wants, <laughs> and poor Scotty, the only defender of the laws of physics. <laughs> Guess, yeah, so. Yeah. 
that's where we are. Kirk's mm-hmm. like, no, we're fucking doing it. And Scott, <laughs> Scotty's like, uh, okay, I guess okay. implosion. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then at this point, Kirk essentially needs Spock to help, right? Because he's the math guy. Yeah. Um, simultaneously, we have probably my least favorite scene in this episode. Yep. Tell me about it's, it. It's a close tie, but probably this one wins. Yeah. Where McCoy has done things. Bones has figured it all out. He knows what's going on. He's like, it's 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 waterborne. What is it? We don't know, but it's waterborne. Nope. It's passing via sweat. And once it's in the blood, it starts to act like alcohol. And he somehow already got a serum, like an antivenom yeah. or whatever, to make this go away. And yeah, you know, he snapped his fingers. It's all good. And somehow in isolation, because his whole crew is space Like mad. bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So like what serum, what was he testing for? When was he testing for it? Like, did, did Harrison in the biopsy lab come through? <laughs> Never Freaking know. Harrison will never get the credit because Bones is going to take sole credit oh, for all so of it. So much of the credit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is like, honestly, so you're right. It's annoying and it's totally unnecessary. Yeah. Um, because if it's like alcohol, like the logical conclusion is your is liver will it metabolize out. it and yeah. then you just got to wait it out. Yeah. And so all that needed to happen was Sulu is contained in the med yeah. bay for long enough that he sobers up and it's like oh we just have to like babysit everyone and be like the designated yeah. driver until jack all of them out. so they don't stab, stab themselves exactly which would also explain what happened on the space station them the science station down on the planet is that if everybody got infected and there was no designated driver then everyone's like out of their minds drunk somebody turns off life support and they all die like it's like vomiting and you're not on your side you're on your back no one helped you like choked on it yeah yeah um you know there's a serum because of course there's a freaking serum there has to be a freaking serum I didn't note the timestamp, but I wonder if it was like, oh, we're verging on 40 minutes. We only got 20 minutes to save the ship, (laughs) to save all the people. We need a serum. And voila, there's a serum. voila, there's a serum. (laughs) Or just like, you know, it's a science fiction show. There has to be a serum. Which I have no issues with a serum. Honestly, I really don't. But, you know, you have, let's say McCoy, I'm making these numbers up. McCoy is in this episode for 15 minutes. Let's just say that, okay? Yeah. He spent 12 of those minutes telling us there's nothing in the medical yeah. tests he's done. There was nothing out of the ordinary. There's nothing that his instruments are picking up on. These people are dying of like essentially the medical equivalent of, you know, like giving up. Mm-hmm. And Kirk is telling him to look for the impossible. And somehow that he one sort of it. look for the impossible, the last three minutes of McCoy's presence in this episode is like him having come off the equivalent of months of research. But yeah. <laughs> you know, put that aside, maybe he picked up on it right away and remembered this one random medical thing he learned in his schooling or his, you know, he looks like he's 60, so his 40 years of practice. <laughs> his like, long and varied career. <laughs> totally. I will, I will set aside all this belief for a second to even acknowledge him identifying what it is. Mm-hmm. But the chances of him figuring out what the serum would be for that serum to already be on the ship be produced at levels at which it can be administered to everybody who's affected all in the span of like the time it takes for Spock to have his emotional breakdown essentially mm-hmm. I'm sorry like we're yeah. suspending a heck of a lot of this belief already with all yeah. the ship jargon like yeah come on <laughs> yeah 
Like even the tension could be further built. Like you've got eight minutes. He's got eight minutes to find a eight serum. Eight minutes, exactly. I would um, watch that. <laughs> yeah, or like, or just like, I mean, finding the serum in and of itself could have been the whole tension, right? Totally. Like totally. Kind of like pick something, stick it a lane. <laughs> well, I but I think the ship sort of collapsing is the only countdown they really have. Like yeah. this finding the serum isn't necessarily going to add the time elements to it so I'm, yeah. I'm okay with the ship in parallel because like that adds sort of your your stress for finding the serum but like again this is such a stupid nitpicky thing on my part because at the end of the day it's a sci-fi tv show but like okay fine you found the serum who did you test it on Sue yeah. was like Sue the didn't... person you inject in front of us so who did you test it on prior yeah <laughs> to confirm that the serum is an issue isn't an issue like space rats <laughs> Okay, but like, how did you infect the space rats then? Did you spit on them? Did you rub your hands on them? No, you, they had a cage and they brought in a couple of them and they just picked them up and rubbed them all over Sulu's sweaty chest. That must have been it. But anyway, just like, <laughs> how do you know the serum works? Like, okay, you identified the serum. So all of this easy fix would have been for it to be an amoeba they're familiar with. So right exactly oh it's oh, this yeah. amoeba. <laughs> it's a it's a it's an amoeba with a strange mutation that allows it to be transmitted yeah. you know via sweat this something. is something we already have a serum for on board because this is something we're prepared for because space yep. amoeba is space amoebas yeah yeah yep. anyway so most frustrating amongst the most close close <laughs> close yeah. winner for most frustrating scene in the whole yeah. show because it's like panic things are happening super fast and actually, quick side comment here too. This is something I think I've like been critical of in previous episodes where even in the action-packed moments, things happen slowly. They take yeah. their time. They've stopped doing that. Or at least in this episode, that doesn't seem to be as jarringly obvious. Yeah. Like there's a fast clip here, like tension, yeah. things are happening. Orders are being screamed at each other. Oh, we found stuff. Oh, this is happening. So like, it seems tense for real. Mm-hmm. So credit where credit's due. <laughs> We're getting yeah. there with acting like we're in an emergency situation <laughs> but despite all that freaking hated this hated this yeah. so much yeah totally unnecessary jesus yep um yep. so after that brief deplorable interjection <laughs> um we cut to kirk and spock who have uh-huh. found each other and Spock is um, still in the throes of a of some very serious emotional um, turmoil, and he's talking to Kirk and he's saying, you know, it's, it's terrible. He couldn't ever tell his mother that he loved her and he did love her, and he rejected his mother's Earth emotions and she was an Earth woman living on a planet of the Vulcan planet um, where nobody has emotions. Like it would have been awful and and he never acknowledged that or, you know, acknowledged her feelings for him or acknowledged his own mm-hmm. feelings for her. Like it's, you know, it's horrible. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> Kirk responds to this by slapping him <laughs> several times. Which and it and it's like- I like secretly loved. <laughs> I, I, I'm, t- I'm conflicted about it because I'm like okay like yes I get it this yeah. is an effective means of like getting someone out of their emotional turmoil physical pain but also like yeah. could you have just like slipped something in of like thank you for sharing but we're in a bit of a conflict here can we talk about this later 
but poor Kirk, poor Kirk also has the amoeba. So that's true. Maybe you I'm know, asking too much of Kirk, who's yeah. also infected at this point. Okay, Maybe his fair. and you know, as the scene builds, we do see that Kirk's drunk personality is is someone who rages a lot. And yeah, like Kirk's got problems. very high energy and just like woe is me, but in an angry way. So you know. I think the low-key appreciation for the slap for me was partially that it should help snap Spock out of it, especially because it is Spock. Like, it may not yeah. work as well for other people, but Spock has just been built up as this character who just has his wits about him, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, like if he's not entirely human, maybe he isn't drunk the same way. Maybe alcohol right. is different for Vulcans, right? So, yeah. Like, that was one part of it. But also, to me, I don't know why, but, like, especially in shows like this, you know, where you're talking about advanced technology you know with the yeah. backpack in the first episode or their little like phasers and lasers and stuff <laughs> i love how like at the end of the day there's always time for a good old-fashioned slap <laughs> it's like so yeah. low tech but it's so, so low good. tech <laughs> it's like the tongue depressor <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so it was just like a weird perverse sort of situation <laughs> that has no rhyme or reason but it's just like you know what even in we're space, here for it. even at even warp in space, <laughs> even as we find out later when they travel back in time, <laughs> we always have time for a good, good old-fashioned old slap, slap to the face. And thankfully, it's a slap and not like that two-handed punch thing that seems to be very popular, um, <laughs> which I can't really stand because it looks ridiculous. So it's a good slap. And Kirk gets in a bit about how he needs a formula. He needs Spock's help. They're going to mix antimatter and matter cold. Kirk needs Spock to help him. And, uh, and we have to risk an implosion of one in 10,000 chance to save the ship or whatever. And Spock slaps him back. And yeah. uh, it's like, okay, also epic, also epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, because this that, is like the like, best possible display of Spock's emotions, the emotions right. he's like so in, opposed to. Yeah. And <laughs> it he all comes it. out to a slap. It's great. Yeah. He's been crying and now he's going to get angry and slap Kirk back. And that seems to actually have kind of the opposite effect because now Kirk is like in the, you know, full the full effects of the amoeba because he starts getting cranky and yes. angry and um it's a little bit garbled i'm not gonna lie i'm not entirely yeah. sure what he's talking about the entire time but there's definitely something about how you know he has a pretty yeoman janice and he's not allowed mm -hmm. to notice her because he's the captain but you spock mm -hmm. you can notice her Mm -hmm. and uh i think now that i'm thinking about it i think it's ultimately that the only woman for him is the ship is the enterprise because we yeah. refer to ships as a she he says something about that's why we call the ship does, yeah. like that's that's his only mistress um he is beholden to her he can never put another woman ahead of the enterprise because he's the captain yeah. um which is sad and like yeah. you know i wish we had gotten our making fun of kirk out of the way because it feels in poor taste now but <laughs> yeah you know like i understand and this kind of like also sort of um echoes back to pike talking about burnout yeah. job in the first episode where you yep. know it is all about the job because you are responsible for hundreds of lives but mm -hmm. you know to be unsavory for a second it also just reads as he just wants to sleep around he wants yeah, to wake yeah. a little bit there's, and he there's, can't <laughs> there's definitely a little bit of sleeping around in there too uh, <laughs> but yeah so he just wants to be young and carefree free, and to like go where his nether regions lead him wow. but 
that's not an option because he has responsibility because you know with great power i.e being a captain comes great responsibility i.e not sleeping with his subordinates (laughs) gotta keep it in your pants keep it in the pants oh and also during this altercation um spock talks about his own emotions and how he looks at kirk and he feels friendship and he Mm -hmm. feels ashamed um which is i don't know man that was that was particularly powerful of like you Mm -hmm. do feel friendship but there's this horrible feeling of shame that tinges it too i mean that must be awful Mm -hmm. um so yeah Yeah. a lot of a lot of depth to spock in this episode it's a great way to sort of build these two characters as yes. someone you can believe have a genuinely like beautiful connection, right? Like yes. They have a closeness that is pretty critical to the operation of the ship and the mm-hmm. things that they do, but there's reasons for it. Like it feels yeah. real. It doesn't feel sort of just a consequence of being colleagues who are stuck with each yeah. other all the time. Right. Like there's actually genuine affection there, which yeah. this sort of begins to highlight and builds on. And you just don't, you don't just have to sort of like take it at their word that they're friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so Kirk at this point in a moment of um, amazing self-awareness is um, cognizant of the fact that he has the disease and he recognizes yeah. that this is the disease speaking. And at this point, Spock seems okay, which maybe again, because of the fact that he's not entirely human, or the slapping and or or the slapping he knows that he's infected with the amoeba um and just sort of like gets a handle on it yeah like i think we kind of i think we talked about this a bit while we were actually watching the episode and it seems sort of like once kirk kind of has his rant and then it's like oh yeah like i have the amoeba it's easier for him to keep it under control because it's kind of like he knows now that Mm -hmm. he's space amoeba drunk mm-hmm. um as opposed to just like swept along with it like there's you know a bit of self-awareness there right um and maybe that's what's happening with spock too totally. is like but at this moment he also has his brain wave where he realizes how he comes up with a theoretical solution for this like planned implosion of antimatter and matter and just sort of like leaves kirk b to mm-hmm. deal with whatever is going on and goes off with scotty as kirk is sort of like asking for scotty to save him and basically start speaking to the ship and this sort of reaffirm you were saying earlier where he's like talking about how he never wants to lose her mm-hmm. um i.e their ship and you know as what's his face spock and scotty are off doing the thing um kirk makes his way over to the bridge and <laughs> um you have mccoy waiting in, waiting with the serum in an injection and then you have your second instance of sex, sex. where <laughs> he rips the shoulder off of Kirk's shirt, which is twice in like two or three episodes now. Because yeah. that must be in, you know, Kirk's contract and what's his face? William Shatner's contract. contract you may minimum. expose this <laughs> the portion <shoulder. laughs> of my upper arm. <laughs> I have to say, I think the sweaters um, have raglan sleeves, the raglan sleeves. Um, and that strikes me as a, a structurally unsound um, sleeve attachment because it's ripping so often. <laughs> Honestly, I love it, but maybe in the future they shouldn't go for that. <laughs> Being unfamiliar with sewing terminology, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I will posit that it is made expressly for emergent situations where serum needs to be injected, not into the shirt, bicep, 
but yeah. directly intramuscularly into the upper shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Fair. We'll run with it because oh, so <laughs> it does rip <laughs> so easily. And Koi uh, is also just a pro at ripping shoulder. Maybe off. he is. Maybe you know he's just got a wealth of experience as a, an emergency doctor on a spaceship. Well, who discovers who says it needs to be an emergency. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> handy skill for work and play. <laughs> Anyhow, so he rips the shoulder. You get, you know, return of the sexy shoulder. Um, always the shoulder, and uh, he injects him with the serum. And you know, like you're getting. Uh, uh, sorry. So the note I made here. Sorry, I can pick myself for a second. Was we see a return of the sexy shoulder because there's obviously a lot of positive reinforcement and feedback from the, right. the God Violet episode where yeah, everyone's like, exactly. Your shoulder. Everyone. <laughs> and they're like, responded yes, positively to that. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so now that the serum has been um, administered, that's one problem taken care of. So we can put an, put an end to that, you know, amoeba issue. And now we're back to the ship, which is still a major problem yep still and, careening towards the collapsing planet yeah and there's a moment of him of kirk looking longingly at janice and i think there's some comment made about how there's no beach to walk on or something yeah. to that effect yep so um my comment at this point was he's just sad he can't boink um yeah which <laughs> probably true <laughs> or or does this mean that the serum is still working yeah has it not finished working yeah but yeah, so back to saving the ship and, you know, they're taking this huge risk and antimatter and matter and implosion. There's no time. We have to do this thing. And then we have this moment of everybody just looking at a screen extremely intensely. Yeah. And also, sorry, not to forget, this is something you mentioned while we were watching, which I mentioned later, was um, in my notes was that Uhura has nothing. Yeah happen to her in yep. response to she like does her job as usual is communicating doing her comms position roles as as intended so our sort of theory here was that when drunk Uhura is just sort of like super high functioning <laughs> yes maybe a high functioning alcoholic girl we know but you know <laughs> she just she, does her job well yeah. that's her drunk trait <laughs> yeah it's like you know you get really drunk and you clean the house and you do a damn fine job like <laughs> yeah that's that's maybe that's her. how she roll well i mean they don't explicitly state that but that's that's going to be our take on our this canon take yeah. on that because it's Absolutely. true like there's zero indication that she's negatively affected at all like even when she snaps back at the captain earlier on like that's a totally legitimate you know the ship is about to crash we've got maybe less than 10 minutes to live of course i'm gonna snap back at you because yeah. you're biting my head off type yeah moment. But yeah, so they are just staring at the screen extremely intensely. And then yep. for a second, everything goes dark. And then you see, look, you know, you turn back on everyone and they're all sort of cringing and holding their hands up to their ears. And like it's a really loud noise or something. Super high pitched sound, right? You yeah. know, when you're uncomfortable with this like beep, essentially. Yeah. Um, very action packed, you know, lots happening, <laughs> lots of looking yeah. and cringing and being uncomfortable. And then there's dramatic music, and then you fade to black, and then you come back to the bridge. Alarms are all still going off, but we learn that it looks like the implosion worked as planned. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to redisplay my lack of knowledge of ship physics, but it looks like the engine and velocity have shot up, 
and that the ship is moving faster than you can move in space, even with the warp speed situation. And this somehow results in their chronometer moving backwards. So it's a countdown back to time. Um, yeah, I like a time warp, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like, yeah, um, space, physics, television, woo woo, basically sends them back in time. And that's all we can really say about that. Yeah, and my (laughs) comment here was, this is too much sci-fi, sir. Let's please just calm down. Yeah. (laughs) We've had a lot of sci-fi for this episode. I think think we can, like, resort to normal sci and take out the sci (laughs) for the rest of this, you know, 10 minutes of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the episode yeah. absolutely the episode absolutely the episode <laughs> wraps up <laughs> with yes. Fox saying like hey it worked we can go back in time to any when you want uh want to go mm-hmm. and Kirk's kind of like yeah maybe later <laughs> yeah maybe and, later <laughs> yeah maybe later and the episode ends um yeah and it's like yeah it's really like the last couple of minutes where it all just goes downhill a with like the serum discovery which didn't need to happen and then b mm-hmm. okay you do this implosion thing and you get sent back in time like the space amoeba isn't sci-fi space mystery enough you have to add some time travel in there like this feels like a whole another episode um yeah so that's what it's I meant. It's a teaser. Right. Like I'm hoping, you know, the to me, the best way to salvage this situation, because it definitely felt like overload. It's too much being jammed into a single episode, is that we have now been set up for whatever the next episode is, which takes place directly after this with the consequences right. of traveling back three days, I think, in time. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was very confusing. And I think in previous episodes, there has been a pretty clear sort of... Um, them sticking to the the brief essentially of you know space cowboys doing cowboy shit and then there's a moral quandary kind of layout and yeah maybe there is some moral quandary here about sort of making peace with your inner beast or your inner insecurities like maybe but it isn't really sort of like dealt with in the same way that I admire other issues having been dealt with in previous episodes so to me you know having the buildup that I've had so far with previous episodes in everything is in reference to everything else. Maybe if I'd seen this with no frame of reference, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be as disappointing. But even considering just this episode from start to finish, it was a pretty shit end in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And so I think at this point when we were watching this episode, um, we were talking about maybe proposing alternative ends, like how we would have liked to see it. Um, yeah it's dead and one of the theories we came up with was that the serum should have been like essentially you know going to therapy like a mini <laughs> therapy session right where it's like, these are my issues this is how I react to situations that are not you know ideal and I accept this about myself and I will right. meditate or I will do this you know cognitive behavioral therapy and I'm only as strong as I am at my weakest and I will work yeah. on my vulnerabilities and be a more confident and you know forgiving of myself person and you know like just sort of be progressive in that way would have been one potential mm-hmm. totally end. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking, like I, I'm still, even though we've talked about it, I'm still a little bit hung up on, you know, Kurt coming in to find Spock who's like sobbing mm-hmm. and Kirk's desperate, you know, for a solution and slaps him. And, but there's no, to me, there's no emotional payoff there in the sense that like Kirk doesn't really acknowledge Spock's, um, emotional turmoil in the sense that like he doesn't acknowledge like oh yeah like you know that that was terrible for your mom and that is terrible for you that you feel like you wish that you had had an emotional connection with her like maybe on top of you know the serum is therapy but also like um maybe this is maybe this is too much to ask but like modeling what a good supportive friend response is to that kind of emotional thing of like you know, Kirk slapping him is appropriate given that they're about to die, but then let's have the emotional closure of they come back to it together at the end of the episode. Right. Be like, hey, let's talk about this more. Like, you know, do you, should we like call your mom up on, you know, deep space, long distance calls and, and talk to her <laughs> about it? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. should um, we Google chat your mom? Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I think, you know, like the emotional closure for all of them, but especially between, um, Spock and Kirk I feel like but I think you've already kind of touched on this already in that everything just seems so abrupt right yes and yeah so that closure is it an active choice of we just don't want to address this or is it again just something that they're setting up for, for the next episode. episode I hope it's right. the latter yeah but just generally I think because there was like such an emotional element to what was wrong with them as is the case with most yeah. episodes but especially here because it is about yeah. your securities and what yeah. sort of like you beat up beat yourself up about to have it end so weakly yeah um have such a strong start with like the possibilities of what it could be and mm-hmm. this impending ship implosion like it just there was just no follow-through like or there was not enough of a follow-through let me correct myself and so it just yeah. kind of like crashes and burns essentially and yeah. so you're just kind of left feeling a little bit hung out to dry a little totally. bit of an emotional roller coaster and yeah. so um there's no payoff like you said earlier to yeah. many things actually yeah um and like the time travel thing is so out of left field I would say that like yeah. I would have I feel like the episode actually would have been better if the implosion just like you know blew, almost blew them up but Same the ship them. survived right the ship survived yeah. the stress and they got blasted super fast away from the planet or they went into like warp 10 which the ship is incapable yeah. of and got transported halfway across the galaxy and oh look at that we're like at the other end of the galaxy wow yeah. that was wild you know um, I would have liked that yeah, yeah, like that would have been like fine because then it's meeting. just like we did it and there's no mystery yeah. here. It just, you know, <laughs> yeah. the dial went yeah. to 11 this time. <laughs> I guess if you can tell me without spoiling things, is is time travel like a huge sort of thing that they turn to frequently in <sighs> episodes? There are there's at least one episode I can think of that features time travel although mm-hmm. now i'm actually <laughs> is it star trek the next generation or star trek yeah. is it? no there is there absolutely is one episode that i'm thinking of that if it's not time travel then it's awfully like time travel right. um like are they building up to something that needs to be built up to early on because it's so foundational to the rest of the show no or is this just kind of like 
this is kind of a cool thing we could do with this instance yeah so we did it and just saw where it went and take it take it as you want (laughs) like if you're happy about it great if you're not we don't care yeah um yeah no like I don't think there's enough and then I think the last thing I will say no Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's basically the episode and the last thing I will say about this particular episode in our description of it is now that we have described it and gone through it in a huge amount of detail what was that tv 14 rating for like what yeah. was the sex what was the um, fear forget the sex the okay fear? that was a provocative torso that was a provocative shoulder but yeah. what was the fear was it that the ship's gonna implode was that the fear um i mean that was pretty intense that that was a really good use of of tension i'd say i guess it's either it would either be that um, because that was pretty intense. They're counting down 20 minutes, 16 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. Um, or is it Joey um, oh. and his stabbing attempt in the, um, the canteen? Maybe. Maybe. Like he's yeah. obviously really agitated and afraid, I would say, of like, what are we doing out yeah. here kind of thing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, that was the naked, what? Naked time. time. That was the naked yeah. time. Oh, is the time in the title a reference to the time travel? Oh, maybe. Because what else would it be? What else would it be? Yeah. What else? I don't understand the title, actually. This is probably one of the few nope. titles that seems to make no makes sense no in sense. the context of the episode. Yeah, makes no sense to me either. All right. Well, so that was episode five. And yeah. our rating for this episode, I think, should be on a scale of one to five provocative male torsos beautiful i was gonna say um topless sulus but yeah (laughs) yeah well i want to i want to basically assume a shoulder is included in the torso in this good point categorization yeah include i don't want kirk to be left out you know yeah or or you know spock's face as nurse touches it true effectively true okay so how about just like one to five attractive male bodies sure yeah one to five pretty boys pretty boys um so on this scale i think for me sadly this is also going to rate pretty low i think the last one was low for me as well so i'm probably going to be two and a half i guess maybe a three because it starts strong but probably two and a half if i'm honest yeah i'm gonna say a one because yeah the time travel thing just upsets me i reserve the right to revise the rating if we discover that there's a point to the time travel as in we have a second part episode is our next episode but for now Mm -hmm. it's a one it feels like there have been some breakage of story writing rules and i don't like it interesting yeah well okay okay 1.5 and the five comes (laughs) obviously from sulu and i thought that was the one no i mean like it's you know the tension okay the one is like the handling of tension and Mm -hmm. um oh god okay well i guess it needs to be a two because i was gonna say the tension's really good and spock's character development and exactly um leonard nimoy's emotional delivery of spock's inner turmoil okay okay it's two it's two and then a half because sulu and (laughs) kirk shoulder and spock's face so yeah we matched there we go for very different reasons (laughs) 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 but we got there 
Heck um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, anyway, yep. so yep. that's that's the reading, that's yep. the episode, and that's and the podcast. I feel like, now. yeah, I'm, so I'm like cautiously optimistic that we will get a two-parter out of this, and if we don't, then I think we have to like break for um, a Star Trek-themed cocktail hour of some kind. <laughs> um, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I maybe shouldn't have done this, but I did Google it just now. And it apparently was intended to be a two-part episode with part one ending in a cliffhanger. <gasps> and they didn't deliver? But the ending was revised so it would become a standalone episode. This was done very ineffectively, clearly, but yeah, yeah that's what it was done. Um, and apparently, what would have been part two eventually became another standalone episode. So there's Ooh. something to look forward to, but okay. it may not tie in super neatly. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, like that. Okay, that could work. That you know, yeah. Even if yeah. it's been reworked to not quite work, I am willing to to wait patiently and with optimism mm-hmm. and apparently this is also the only episode of the original series in which all three principal female characters uhura janice and nurse chapel appear in the same episode that doesn't make me super happy no nope. because that does not speak very highly of the rest of the of, show but yep that's not good <laughs> but what a claim to fame yep. um all right i guess <laughs> on that note um mm-hmm. Yeah, please, please go ahead and subscribe and review the episode on the show wherever you get your podcasts. And um, please be sure to watch the next episode, which I don't know the name of, but would be episode six on the next showing of the show so that you can catch us in all of our mistakes and incorrect assumptions when we next come on with an episode. And or, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just treat our retelling of the story as canon, um, which or is that. obviously that. I mean, optimal. Do you need to watch the show? Probably not. <laughs> no. I think we do an excellent job of recounting uh-huh. the events. Um, yeah. If you can keep track of, of the main plot line amongst all the you know deviations, then yeah. yes, we do an excellent hey, job. Whatever. Um, Sulu got a shirt off in this episode. Et yeah. voila! Et yeah. voila! <laughs> You need to watch it maybe to get the actual visual of that. How about that? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, like anticipation or the imagining of something is often superior to the actual thing. Sure. So, you know, you can sure. just leave it at that. Yeah. You know, either way, whatever you feel like doing, go for yeah. it. <laughs> Both are and- equally endorsed or not endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we'll catch you at the next episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right, bye. Bye.